How's that? Well, we're getting situated. Luke chapter number six. Luke chapter number six. If you turn with me in your Bibles there, Luke chapter number six. We have been talking about faith, how to get it and how to grow it. How to get it and how to grow it. So we're in a in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter number 6, and Satan does not want us to know the authority that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us, he, he just, he, not only does he not want us to know, but uh, he doesn't want you to know that when you become a Christian, that Jesus has entered into your life and that you have authority over him, over the devil. You look, you go, well, wait a minute, the passage is going to tell us about a man who had such great faith that Jesus marveled at his faith. And it's an amazing passage of scripture that tells us that what the Lord can do for the person who has faith, the one that, that has faith in him. And what a, a wonderful example is, the, is that of the faith of this man, the centurion, who came to know the Lord Jesus as a savior. Uh, I love the, the stories of folks that, uh, that, that, that have come to Christ. And I find this, uh, I, I, I read another one that uh, kind of chuckles and uh, I, I heard about a man who was beaten up he's mugged in a big city he's walking down the street when two men accosted him and and took his wallet they had a hard time doing it because he put up a fierce fight in fact his clothes were torn his face was bleeding he he just put up a terrible fight his friend said to him man you must have had a lot of money on you to put up such a fight and even risk your life you must have uh, just got paid, or maybe you had your entire paycheck. The man said, no, that wasn't that, not at all. I had $4.25. The friend said, you mean you nearly lost your life over $4.25? What were you thinking? <laughs> he said, oh, it wasn't the money. I just didn't want anybody to find out my financial situation. I was embarrassed and didn't want them to know how little money I had. <laughs> you know, the devil doesn't want you to find out your spiritual situation. He doesn't want, to know, want you to know how wealthy you are. That is, uh, that you are wealthy in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you've been made to sit in heavenly places. In, uh, uh, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a conqueror. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us we've been made more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so as we're jumping in, you look and you go, there it is. That's what this passage is all about. It's all about the fact that Jesus died, rose again, rose from the dead. You go, there he is. He's able to come into our lives, give us authority over the power of the enemy. We don't have to live a defeated life. That's the best part. There are so many folks that are living defeated because it's been a tough year. We put a lot of things in there, and you go, there's those tough times. And you go, no, 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 no. See, in this story, as we're walking through, we're going to dig in in a moment, but in chapter 6, but the servant comes to Jesus from a Roman centurion, and he says, Master, I serve a Roman centurion. He loves a servant very much. Master, he wants you to heal that servant. Now, did you catch what's there? Jesus said, all right, I'll do that. The servant said, Master, my master is very much a believer in God. In fact, 
He's built us a synagogue. He's the one who serves God, loves God. He's not like the other Romans. This man's very generous. This man's very humble. And this man is a very courageous man. He has taken a stand for Almighty God. Now you read chapter 6 and you'll go, man, pastor, you got a lot out of that. There you go. There's the background for which we're looking at. See, this was very unusual for a Roman centurion. As Jesus is going to heal this man's servant he, that, that he loves so much, another servant said to Jesus, I've come from my master's house. And he said that you have to do this uh, to, to do. All you have to do is say the word. I've come from my master. All you have to do is say the word. I find that one just amazing because you go, wait a minute. And he says, for I'm a man under authority just like you, Jesus. All you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. I don't have to be present. You don't have to be present to move in my house. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. All you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. Now the scripture says here that Jesus marveled at the man's faith. So I want you to notice here, let's, uh, I got to pick up in the right verses for you. So we got all of it, have the picture. And it'd help if the preacher got in the right chapter. That always helps. Chapter 7, see, I told you. Even a prep, yeah, chapter 7, I'm sorry, I was off by a chapter. Man, this is a tough crowd. Tough crowd. Here it is, verse number 1, And when he had entered all his sayings in the audience of the people, he, Jesus, entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and die, ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent him to the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. When they had came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loved our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with him, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. For I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about and said unto him, the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Oh, how exciting. How exciting. See, as we walk through here, Jesus marveled at this man's faith, and here's a man who's under authority, and how authority works. We say more. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But the devil doesn't want you to know that he's been defeated. 
we can celebrate. He doesn't want us to know that. Jesus placed us under the authority. Uh, Jesus placed us in authority. Let me say it that way. In authority over Satan. As long as we are under his lordship, we have authority over Satan and all the demons of hell. The devil doesn't want you to know that, that you don't have to, to take his slander. We don't have to take his lies. You don't have to take his abuse. You don't have to, to take the constant harassment. You, you can even make the devil and the demons flee, and he doesn't want you to know that. Matter of fact, I believe too many Christians live in a whole lot of bondage because they don't ever get there in their growth, in their relationship with the Lord, to where they've grown enough to see the devil flee. Notice the origin of the believer's authority. The authority is the legal power granted to someone given them power on behalf of the person who's granted the authority. So that's the, the authority. So notice the origin uh, of, of the believer's authority and, and uh, that, that's come. We learn in verse number 8 of the passage of the Roman centurion. He said, we've already described this man. And notice he said, I too am under authority. I have somebody that's over me. He's saying that, that he knew how Jesus worked. He knew how authority worked. And when you put yourself under authority, you have authority. He knew Jesus was a man who had come from God and that Jesus was under God's authority. He knew that, that it, not only that he was under the authority of, of Almighty God, but whatever it was that he spoke, whatever it was that, that, that he, he put into order, he knew would be done. He knew. The centurion knew how faith worked. Faith, if, faith placing yourself under, a, under the power under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? I believe there are an awful lot of folks that, that miss this when it comes to salvation. You go, now, Pastor, what do you mean? And I, it's very simple. We come to a place where we see a lot of folks that, that might get on their knees and say, Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. And that's a wonderful prayer. I don't ever, I'm going to say that's a wonderful prayer. I prayed something very similar to it. The night that I asked Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. But with that prayer, I need to admit that I'm a sinner. I, I am a sinner. And when I admit that I'm a sinner, I am admitting that there is a holy God. There's a holy God and I am not. And my pride's got to go out the door. And His holiness comes, becomes elevated. I can't come in and go, well, you know, hey, oh, no, there's no struggle. There's not to be a struggle between Pat and God now. I'm to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Let's go. That's one of those, speak, Lord, for your servant hears, you would read in the scripture. You look at Isaiah when he's in the throne room of God, and what do you see? There in, in the book of Isaiah, and he's in the throne room of God, and God's showing him the, the heaven, and he's showing him the angels, and he's going, whoa, whoa, who can I send to communicate a message? And you got Isaiah going, whoa, pick me. You ever see the little kids dance when they want to answer the question? That is exactly how I see Isaiah going, oh, oh, oh. And then God reveals more to him, and all of a sudden, where's Isaiah? No longer jumping up and down, but on his face and on his knees. But because we have a holy God. And Isaiah knew he was under authority. He was under the authority of an almighty, 
holy God. A God who cannot put up with our sin. That's why he reminds us over and again to do what? To confess that sin. We have a tendency to confess 1 John 1 or, or, or quote 1 John 1 9 because it's the easy one to remember. But do you realize that with salvation, with repentance, always comes revelation that changes you. Always changes your life and mine. See, when I come to know Christ, I don't know about you, but when the Lord started digging around in my life, and I, I knew I, I had, there had to be change. I couldn't be the same guy I was. No way, no how. And so as we're walking through the, the authority of, uh, of, of Scripture, and you look and you say, the authority that this man was placing him under, God's authority. See, Jesus was a man under God's authority and had been sent here by God. No man could do the things that Jesus did unless he'd been sent under God's authority. And therefore, he knew that Jesus could just speak the word. Just speak the word. And the servant would be healed. The centurion knew how faith worked. See, faith, if is placing yourself under the power and under the authority of Jesus, and whatever you say or claim, whatever we say in faith within the will of God, under the authority of Jesus, we'll have. That's an amazing piece uh, as you walk through. Unless we understand it, we'll never be victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this means that we have to understand both the humanity of Christ and the deity of Christ. See, if we miss the humanity of Christ, we're going to miss how Jesus worked when he was on earth. He was 100% God, and he was 100% man. Somebody says, that makes 200%. Well, my football coach always told me I had to give 200%, so I, I never figured out the math of that. I, I never quite understood that. But he was 100% God, 100% man. He was as much God as though he were not man, and he was as much man as though he were not God. See, he was the God-man. But Jesus, as man, submitted himself to the Father. He said, I must do the will of my Father. I have to do that, that submission that's there. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5 through 11 reminds us, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, you said, there he is. He took it on, and he was made in the likeness of man, but found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You say, that's Jesus. Wherefore, God also highly exalted him, giving him a name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whew, to the glory of the Father. You look and you go, there he is. Jesus laid aside his deity. It said that he found himself fashioned in fashion as a man. Now I thought about making a joke there for RJ's sake. RJ works with clothes. He found himself in fashion as a man. 
There is no man that's ever in fashion. Let's just get that out of the way, guys. We are not fashionable people, all right? I I read that and I go, oh, no. So let's get back to the message and quit meddling there and, and, uh, and get there. But he laid his side as deity. He humbled himself and he took submission to the Father. He said, I'll do. And all that he did... He did only the will of the Father. He limited himself to the power and the will of his heavenly Father. He recognized his Father's superiority and his authority over him. You realize, I want you to think about it for a moment. If Jesus would have stepped out of that authority, there would have been no more sickness on the face of this earth at that time. It would have been clean. He could, have looked, uh, he could have looked across the face of the earth and said, everybody, be healed. Done. Sickness would have been healed that day. But that's not the way Jesus worked. It was by the will of the Father in which he was subject to. He didn't just say, oh, you realize not everybody's going to be healed, right? Not everybody's going to come to a place where where their bodies will be healed from sickness, or not everybody's going to come to know the Lord even. I wish that were true. I wish I had the privilege that everybody that I spoke with would come to know the Lord Jesus. My goodness, there wouldn't be enough room in the, in the house for us tonight if it were that easy. If it were that easy. At the same time, we know that the Lord doesn't want any to perish. Not one. But he wants all to come to him in repentance. But in doing so, we've got to come under that authority. You understand that pride is really the issue to that. When we get right down to it, our pride is really that issue that goes, Oh no, because I think I'm better than. I think that I'm better than or I can do better than. Or, or you know what, we have our own little gods that we have a way of putting ahead of him. And all of a sudden, I can do better than, I think I can do better than what God thinks. Wait a minute. He wants us to come under his authority. He wants us to come in under, under him. See, the Roman centurion would say to his soldiers to do this and they do it. Jesus is like that. Because he can do anything that God can do because he's under the authority of God. Now, that's the kind of authority that you have if you're under the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what faith is, and that's how faith operates. But look at the operation of the believer's authority. In like manner, as Jesus submitted himself to the Heavenly Father, you and I are to submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus. We are to live a victorious faith. You, you, we could go through and go, well, let's do this. The military. The military. I had the privilege yesterday uh, to meet with a military gentleman that served in our military, and uh, and it was really neat as we uh, uh, we began to talk and he began to share a little bit about his his history, his service uh, as he served our country. And one of the things that stood out, and and you know those guys that have fought for our country, we do need to say thank you. We need to let them know that we appreciate them. We need to, to be there to say, you know what, I enjoy the freedoms I enjoy because of what they have done. Matter of fact, as he began to share, he told me, he began to tell me, he said, uh, he said I served in an, at kind of an odd time. 
and he's a young man. He's not that old, and he's a young man. He said, I served at kind of an odd time. I served at the end of President Bush's. I said, oh, and he says, and at the beginning of President Obama. He says, so here's what happens to, to me. He said, I've already, this is my second tour. I'm on my way to Afghanistan. I'm supposed to be going on a nine-month trip. My wife and I, we were so used to those trips back and forth and the way they work. He said, I was settled nine months, no big deal, and I'm done. Had it all figured out. I'm done. Little did he know. The change in president had also changed the number of troops. If you remember your history, President Obama cut the number of troops greatly. The folks that were supposed to come and replace him, they never came. And they left him in country right there in Afghanistan, continuing to fight. <laughs> he says, you know you've been in the real stuff when you know the difference between what goes by and what goes pop in the airport. He says, there's a difference. He says, it's amazing. He says, you know you've been close. For 16 months, he had to wait not for the group that was supposed to replace them, but had to wait for the next group to get through training before they sent the group over that replaced his team. 16 months in country. He came back and he said, I was a messed up man. He said, I'd see way too much combat. My heart sunk, one. And two, I knew because I've known enough military men, when they start talking like that with you, it's time to sit down and listen and not care what else is going on in your world because they need to talk. They need to talk. And I know that my time with him yesterday, it was special because his tears were shed and we had a chance to talk and he talked about a chaplain over there had the privilege to lead him to Christ and when he come home when he first got home he said all I could go to to, to dull the pain was alcohol and he said but the chaplain's words just kept ringing in my ear until one day I realized a little over a year ago it's time for me to get it right and he said I've had four since then four and don't plan on having any more and he said because I love my family and as much as I was under the authority of a government and serving I am and I thought I couldn't have put the words in his mouth for the sermon any better for him to say I am now under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah I couldn't write the message So that'll preach. He's going to church tomorrow. <laughs> God has an authority for the home. God has an authority for the government. God has a system of authority for every institution in society. You, you, we have to obey God's chain of authority if, 
if we're going to live victorious lives. What's wrong with our age or time? Well, the Bible says that in the, in the end times that there will be lawlessness. Lawlessness will abound and love will, of many will grow cold. And that's in Matthew 24. And Jesus said, this will happen in the end times. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is rebellion. Rebellion against authority. That's what we have today. You look and you say that from kids are being told from the time they're little that, that uh, not to let anybody tell them what to do. They're told to express themselves, by themselves, you, or be themselves. Those uh, uh, that teach and administrate in the education know that you can't hardly discipline a child anymore. We could go through and you, you, you look and you say, what uh, the challenge? You have no way of correcting that child because they've, they've been told that they don't have to obey. They have to mind you. They can do whatever they want. Then we wonder why. Why are they wandering the way they are? Why are they so rebellious? We wonder why they, they live the lives that they do. They have not learned to respect or to be under authority. I find it amazing. I'm going to pick on a couple of them that are sitting right here, right now, that I know this, that if you roll the car up that's black and white that has blue lights on it, they're bothered. But they don't have the respect. See, my reaction is, as I look and I go, there's my friend. And I'm glad you're here. Come on. There's my friend. Come on. And yet so many go, oh, no, there's. And we got more names than we can give them. Not being under that, that authority. Not willing to be under our authority. You look and you go, that's you go, preacher, what, what's the problem with that? Well, they've learned not to respect authority. We have rebellion. Rebellion against God's authority in the home. We have rebellion against God's order and government. People don't respect the, the officers of the law who... Who, who, uh, who, who have to, to, to enforce the law of the land. God has a chain, a chain of command and, and an order of authority in the church. See, here's, here's a statement. If, if we want to, if we have to be over, you have to stay under. See, there's one of those isms. You guys pick on me about isms. There's one of those Pat Bruce isms. If you want to be over, you got to be under. He say, Pastor, well, you'll never be over unless you're willing to stay under. We're never willing to be over unless we're willing. Authority is not derived from itself. It's derived from a power greater than itself. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He said, it's given to me. He said, go ye therefore, teach all nations. He was given the authority. And in my authority, he was sending you and I. We look in, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. He said, who's gone into heaven and is right at the hand of, uh, of God. I love that image. Jesus at the right hand of God. I, I can't, I don't, I've never gotten over that one. Jesus at the right hand of, of, of God. You say, there he is, and the authorities and the powers being made subject to him. Why should we be under Christ's authority? Because he has all authority in heaven and earth. All the authority that, that exists has been placed on Jesus. So if we want any authority and any power, then we have to place ourselves under him and in him. 
He's at the right hand of God and all authorities and all powers are subject to him. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 19 says, And what is that exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? See, if we want anything done in our life or, or the life of the church, faith and authority go together. Faith and authority go together. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions all over the power of the enemy. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go running out and run over top of the snake's heads, by the way. Just get that out of the way tonight, okay? I'm not even going to pick on, well, I better behave myself before I get in trouble. But you realize our enemy, the devil, he's the enemy. Seeking whom he may devour, the scripture says, right? That's You say, there's the enemy. He's seeking. He's choking faith, choking off our faith all the time. He's making us live below our privileges as a child of God all the time. We need to be uh, victorious. We need to be joyous. We need to be happy. We need to be a church on conquest. We need to fill the building for, for the glory of God. We can't do it until we have victory in our own personal lives. See, a people marching in victory, united under the lordship of Jesus Christ. See, when you look in Mark chapter 4 and 5, in those chapters, Jesus is demonstrating his authority. He calmed the sea, allowing his, or showing his authority over disaster. He healed a demon-possessed man, showing his authority over the demons. I like that one. When he healed him and the pigs all ran in the water... We'll be here a while. I opened that one up. He healed a little girl who was dead. She was dead. She's alive. He walked into that room. He raised her from the dead, showing her he had power over, the, over death. And this is the truth. Whether it be disaster, whether it be demons, whether it be disease, whether it be death, Jesus conquered them all. And when we put ourselves under him, we have that authority. A policeman stands in the middle of the intersection. He's directing traffic, and here comes a great big dump truck. And it's full of gravel. Great big dump truck full of gravel. And as the dump truck approaches, the 200-pound policeman sticks his hand up, and the dump truck does what? Many tons are in that truck. Many tons. And you hear that truck all of a sudden. That 200-pound man says, Poof. is he stopping the truck? Is the policeman stopping the dump truck? No. He's not stopping the dump truck. But he is stopping that truck with power and authority because he has the authority that's been given him. He's not stopping the dump truck with, with power. He's a 200-pound man. He doesn't stand a chance against that dump truck. Let's be honest. That truck would run him over, flatten him like a pancake. He's stopping the dump truck with authority, the authority of the city, the authority of the government that's behind that badge. He's stopping the truck with his authority. See, when we go against Satan, we are stopping him. Not with our power because we have the strength. We stop him with the authority that we are under when we are under the Lord Jesus Christ. Under the lordship of Jesus. We stop Satan not because of who we are, 
but because of whose we are. Who has the ownership? See, the Bible says that we are under him who has risen from the dead and now sits on the majesty on high. Little boy heard a sermon on the devil and he began to think. He started thinking about it and he got a little afraid. And he went to his daddy and he says, Dad, I'm afraid of the devil. How big is the devil? Is the devil bigger than mommy? Dad said, yes, son, the devil's bigger than mommy. The son says, is the devil bigger than the pastor? The dad says, yes, son, he's bigger than the pastor. He said, well, dad, is the devil bigger than Jesus? The dad says, no, he's not bigger than Jesus, son. He said, then I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Jesus has the power. He's given us the power and the authority over the enemy. The enemy has great power, but we have authority over him in the name of Jesus, in the blood of the cross. So we don't have to be put we don't have to put up with him. So thirdly, the outcome of the believer's authority, what happens when we exercise that authority? Well, number one, our faith will be commended. Jesus said, I've not found such great faith. Back in our text, he said, I haven't found such great faith as not, not in all of Israel. See, if you remember last week when, we, we, when Jesus went to Nazareth in his hometown, it said that he couldn't do very much there. There weren't very many mighty works that could be done in Nazareth. Why? Because of their unbelief. It wasn't because he wasn't God, it's because of their, un, their lack of faith, their unbelief. But here he's talking about great faith. Here's a man that didn't hear of God until he came to Judea, a Roman soldier. Jesus said, I marvel at this man's faith. You know, it takes something to make Jesus marvel. I mean, think about that for a moment. It takes a minute to, to, to make Jesus marvel over you and how much you believe him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 6 says that God will reward your faith. He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Those who are, are seeking him, he'll reward our faith. He'll conquer the enemy. He'll conquer death. There was a servant that he loved very much. That was on the edge of death. He knew he couldn't conquer disease and disaster. He had heard about all of that, so he claimed that the servant's healing by sending word to Jesus. You know, the truth is, he needed that servant. How would you like to have some servants to serve you? Well, how would you like to have some angels to serve you? You go, huh. How would you like to have some angels to protect you? How would you like to have some to camp around? Like they camped around Elijah when the host of the enemy were camped around his house. Well, you can. You can. How would you like to resist the demons and, and let them flee? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, that's God's normal plan for our life when faith and spiritual authority work together. In his book, The Incredible Power of Kingdom Authority, Dr. Adrian Rogers tells a fascinating illustration. It's about a large walleye pike taken alive from a, a lake and, and put in a huge aquarium where the water temperature and the surroundings were made just like the pike had from the lake in which he was taken. Then buckets of minnows were dumped in and 
Mr. Pike thought he had died and gone to heaven. He was just eating those minnows right and left, and then the researchers played a cruel trick on Mr. Pike because they placed a large glass cylinder of water into the tank, and then they filled that cylinder, that round thing. They filled it full of minnows, and Mr. Pike, well... He started to go for the minnows, but every time he did, he hit that glass cylinder. And when he'd hit that glass cylinder, he'd bump up against that thing, and, and he'd hit it, and he started for the minnows again and again, and that invisible barrier bothered me. He tried over and over again. Finally, he gave up, and he settled on the bottom of the tank. Well, the researchers removed the cylinder, and the minnows began to swim freely in the tank. Mr. Pike never made a move, not even for one of them. They'd swim right past his face, but he wouldn't move an inch. He was convinced that he would never again get another minnow. He laid there until he starved to death, even though there were plenty of minnows in the tank for him to eat. See, have we ever thought about the fact that we are asking God for things that we already have? The Bible says that we have been made to set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Blessed there is past tense, by the way. I'm not a great English scholar, but when I go past tense, that means yesterday. I figured that part out. You already have it. It's already been given. Those things are already yours. You ask God for faith. You already have faith. God's already given you that faith. We just need to appropriate it and use it. You already have the Holy Spirit when we've put our faith and our trust in Jesus. He's already moved in. We just need to appropriate his power and submit to him and use that power that he gives us. See, believers are like Mr. Pike. They run up against Satan and they think they can never have all the blessings that they want to have. When God's already given those blessings, and it's a matter of, of claiming them by submitting to the authority of Jesus. So I'd ask, are we submitting to the authority of an almighty God? Are we submitting to him, to God's plan of authority? See, we could say, what about? What about God's plan of authority in my personal life? God's plan of authority in my home. God's plan of authority in my government. See, we have to place ourselves under before we can be over and live the victorious Christian life. And I'd encourage us today to further study about that authority. That authority, there's so much more. But the easy way to put it is first, I need to. The Bible verse would say it this way. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And I'd ask, what sin is keeping us from humbling ourselves before the Lord today? What sin is it that we are so hanging on to that we're not willing to give up 
and say, yes, Lord, here's my heart. What is it we're harboring? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Lord, we thank you for your authority. As much as every day we might struggle with it. The reality is, is when we surrender, you are holy, just, pure, and victorious. And you seek to give us life, to give us life more abundantly. Lord Jesus, I ask today, that you'd help us to whatever it is that keeps us from surrendering to your authority we would give it up today we'd say keep it Lord Jesus this is what I'm holding back from you might even be so real as to say here's what I'm giving it up and let you speak Lord ask that you help us to Jesus.